Welcome to the Alice in Wonderland podcast. I'm Georgia Alice and thank you once again for joining me as I tumble down yet another rabbit hole. Today I'm jamming with the rhythmic ringmaster himself, Tom Morley. And you never know, we might actually get some rhythms happening in this podcast. That would be a first. But let me just introduce a little bit about Tom. So following his time in the music business with the 80s band Scritti Politti, Tom has developed a truly artistic way of living where every experience leads him to the humorous uncovering of some universal truth. He turns his disasters and successes into stand-up comedy for conference audiences around the world. He has spent 40 years on stage, first behind a drum kit, then as the multi-talented frontman for whole troops of performers, earning him that title of the Rhythmic Ringmaster. In my mind, Tom is a creative genius, or dare I say, a polymath. He has a knack of making creative energy sustainable. I have had the joy of participating and witnessing him on numerous occasions, guiding entire groups, either in person or online, to experience what is known as group flow. He turned the pandemic on its head by creating connection and play through online events. He, he proved to organizations that teams can absolutely connect and be fully engaged online. So let's get curious. Welcome, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> there's a giggle it's, it's uh, well it's so good to be the rhythmic ringmaster again yeah I, I think i can control everything but I, I changed my uh branding to being the rock star activator about six months ago but it's all over the net it's all over my website but somehow you've got hold of the uh, rhythmic ringmaster mm. thing but which is fine it's fine i can't control everything it, it's uh it's it's an irony that i run a team building company but man i don't like teams i try and do everything myself and th this is a great example of uh, me not even be being able to send you the right bio <laughs> <laughs> that's totally all right because we can get into rockstar activation um a little bit yeah. a little bit into the podcast so actually yeah. that is a really great topic for us to unpack but before sure. we do and, and, yeah go on before we do there is one question that i ask all of my guests and mm -hmm. it helps us to sort of get a bit of an understanding of, of who who Tom is. So I want you just to imagine for a moment that I am a seven-year-old Alice from Alice in Wonderland and I'm making my way through Wonderland, skipping along and I come across Tom Morley standing there in front of all of his amazing beautiful mixes and mics and drums and everything and I look at you and I go, Mr. Morley, what do you do? Why are you here on this planet? Why are you in Wonderland? What's your purpose? How would you answer that question to a seven-year-old? Well, I'd say, first of all, I'd say um, well done for following that rabbit because a lot of people wouldn't. It, it says in the story, uh, Alice was sleepy. She could have gone to sleep, but instead she saw the rabbit and at first wasn't that bothered that the rabbit rabbit was speaking saying oh, i'm going to be late she said yeah fair enough but it was the waistcoat and the pocket watch that got her attention and she followed the rabbit uh, and you know it was in a real mess you know falling down that rabbit hole it went on for ages so first of all i'd say well done um for not being phased I'm down here in the same way. Um, I fell down the same rabbit hole when I was a teenager. Um, I experimented with a few things and then I thought, do you know what? The world, the paradigm of the world has been set up all wrong. 
it's uh, it's based around competition and it should be based around collaboration. Doesn't take much. You only have to move a few letters around to make that uh, a more kind of loving word and a more loving world. So I just thought I'll dedicate my life to that. And I will, I seem to be quite good because I'm shy. I'm seem to be quite good at bringing people together because I can see the tensions in any group and how to diffuse them. So I would say, look around uh, seven year old Alice and see all this stuff that's available to us. All this color, all these things getting bigger and smaller and, uh, you know, places to explore, angry people, sleepy people, you know, <laughs> tea parties that go on forever. Look around and, uh, and I'd probably say, look, uh, I need an assistant. Um, do you fancy coming along? I'll tell you what I know and you tell me what you know. And together we'll change the world from your perspective and my perspective because I'm 66 now and you're seven. So uh, my 61 years might be of use to you, but your seven, your seven years will definitely be of use to me. Wow. That's one of the most profound answers I've ever had. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. There's so many things that we can pull apart with what you've just said there as well. So um, where to start? Potentially around the, the competition and the paradigm that you noticed as a, a teenager, as a 17-year-old. So how does a 17-year-old notice that the world is made up of competition? How did that aha moment or that revelation come to you? Well, I mean, uh, I was the youngest of four boys in a poor family. So uh, my brothers, you know, I love them all, but that, they were they seemed like a gang uh, of three to me. And I, I was this rather sensitive artist. They, they were always off uh, building camps. And so at, I, I noticed there was a competition from, I don't know, from the moment I could sort of see anything that was going on, they were telling me I was doing things wrong and I should be doing it like them. Or or if, this amazing thing, this changed my life when I was about um, four. We lived near a rubbish dump and we used to go and sort of rummage around in the rubbish. As You, you could do that in those days. There was no health and safety. There's no... No one's saying, get off, you know, you've cut yourself or anything like that. So we used to go and kind of see, it was our playground really. And uh, one day they found this kind of curved bit, bit of metal. It was brass, I remember. And they couldn't work out what it was. And I was very shy. I didn't really speak. And when we got home, uh, I just put my shoe on and off with it. It was a shoehorn an ornate shoehorn. I knew that straight away. And my life changed because they said, blimey, he knows something. You know, the three of them can work it out. <laughs> and and I've, I've had that kind of relationship with the world um, all my life. So, yeah, so I just saw it was competitive. Uh, well, I experienced it as being competitive all the time. I was growing up because of them. And I saw competitions between them as well. Of course, boys, imagine four boys and a poor family. We're going to fight, aren't we? We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to try and win. Um, so competition just seemed to be the world. And then, of course, I was very lucky. I grew up in the time of flower power. So everything uh, that hippies used to expand their consciousness, I used at school. Um, it was all available. So uh, consequently, I had an experience, well, I had lots of experiences of competition not being the be-all and end-all, but I could see how everything was linked and how competition in nature is only for survival. It's not for any um, status update, <laughs> which I pray. It was so funny when Facebook first came out and they said, update your status. I, I thought, blimey, that you know, it's like um, update your status in a consumer society. I've always been amazed that uh, the government would talk about us as consumers in a consumer society. Uh, I always think, what, 
you're letting us know that's how you think of us it's the same with update your status you know a whole platform was built around this compete you know here's my office you know those they make me sick those in the, today's office you know it, nobody says here i am on the rubbish dump uh you know it's my playground because i haven't got any money here i am in bali here i am in thailand here i am who gives a flying you know it's um it's status update and then they changed it to what are you up to you know <laughs> <laughs> but i'm afraid the game was up because social media is all about updating your status you know and i embrace it of course because i need to make money i'm in the competitive world so yeah mm. people say i overshare my my only um marketing policy is tell the whole world what i'm doing all the time if 99 percent of people hate me for it fine one percent love me that's cool if 0.0.0.1 percent of those people employ me i'm happy and they do awesome i i love i love how you really noticed that because i'd never really thought about it before around this status update and we think about you know competition mm. does create this status and then we're all sitting there going well this is my status right now what's your status you know it is yeah. competition so really really interesting eye-opener and um i also noticed how you can you you're managing to use the two polarities of social media so yes there is i guess we'll call it the the dark side the status side the competition side but there's also the good side of you know spreading joy spreading collaboration making a difference and sharing to the world your gifts and what you do so you you seem hmm. to be navigating that really well which is awesome and for the listeners if you're not following tom morley on either linkedin are you on instagram yeah yeah. on Instagram or Facebook, because I follow you on uh, LinkedIn and, and Facebook. It's amazing. You've just got to jump on board and um, mm. follow his humorous and his, his artistic videos and everything. But anyway, we're not going to plug you just yet. We'll do that at the end. Um, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I just want to say um, before we leave that that, that, that the whole thing about people say, oh, you can't, you, you share too much, you give too much away. You know, you'll have these algorithms sending you adverts. I don't care. You know, the more I educate the algorithm that I like pirate hats or pirate shoes or, you know, then they they just tailor these adverts. They take the work away from me. It, it, I know with social media, it's, it's a deal we make with the devil that they are going to know all about me. I really don't care, you know, because they've provided a platform for me to broadcast to the world. It's such an easy trade for me. Mm. And people complain, you know, they say, but I get these ads. Who? <laughs> but you're only well, getting, you're only getting. If you don't like the adverts, on. don't buy anything. You know, it's that easy. And and if you, just as a, if people don't know this, if you really want to tailor adverts to stuff you like, anytime an advert comes in and you think, actually, I, I would buy that, click on it, go, go through the whole process to the point where you're about to pay for it. Don't pay for it. And then they will go, blimey, he nearly paid for that or she nearly paid for that. Right. We'll get her next time. And so then all the peripheral ads disappear. You only get, so you just got to train the, um, the algorithm. Absolutely. I'm with you a hundred percent. And I'll, I'll share a story. Like um, my partner and I decided that we needed a new sofa. So um, of course I went onto Google and just had a look on, at sofas just once. And mm. then my, Instagram feed and my Facebook feed are full of sofas from all of these different outlets. And I thought, well, this is saving me time, isn't it? And I'm just clicking on yeah. each one. No, I don't want you. Next one. Click on. So yes, it does actually save us time, but you can tailor it to actually do the work for you. It can become your personal research assistant if you yeah. really want it to. So, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So we went from competition and you mentioned to, to young Alice that you noticed that you know, we can move away from competition to collaboration. And you mentioned that, you know, as a teenager, you had a, a beautiful experience where you noticed that we're all connected. And um, and this led to more of a collaborative outlook on life. So oh. what then What then happened then for you? How did you then start nurturing this co collaborative wisdom that you had, um, that you had experienced? Well, I... Um... I was at the 1970 Isle of Wight Festival, Rock Festival, with Jimi Hendrix and The Who and everyone. Um, Joni Mitchell, not 
when I say I was with them, you know, I wasn't on stage. I was about 15. Um, but uh, I noticed there was a guy there called John Sebastian. Do you know the Loving Spoonful? John Sebastian was the guitarist and one of the singers, songwriters. And and this is going to answer your question about collaboration because the some people would come on and they'd be a bit overwhelmed by the audience. And they say, oh, oh the white, let me hear you sing along. You know, there might be a song that we knew or maybe we didn't know. Um, and then they'd say, I can't hear you. And then we go, all right, we'll sing a bit louder then. You know, sunshine and we like you. I can't hear. And then in the end, we just thought, look, mate, we're doing our best, all right? Um, please don't insult us. We're singing at the top of our lungs. And then John Sebastian came on and he did Nashville Cats. And he said, yeah, sing along if you want. He went, Nashville Cats. Nashville. And he leaned away from the mic so we could just about hear him. He didn't reprimand us or anything. But if we wanted to hear the song, as we wanted to hear it, you know, properly with clean as country water in there, we had to sing it. So he didn't say, oh, I can't hear you. you know, he, just, he, just, he was so cheeky. And he, he kind of spoke to us. I was quite near the front, but he spoke to everybody as if we were just in his front room. It was, it was amazing. And then, um, and then I think he was followed by Joni Mitchell, who, you know, of course, an amazing guitarist, singer, songwriter. And she was really moody. She said, look, I'm playing songs up here and you're talking. Um, please be quiet. You know, she's talking to thousands and thousands of people. And then, um, and then she said, hmm. And I thought she, she claimed that on, uh, I'm sure it's on film. She said, well, um, well, you're not as good as the Woodstock crowd. She wasn't even at Woodstock. She didn't go. Uh, and man, did she. So I learned I'd pretty much my whole team building business was based around that experience and um, something my grandmother told me. Oh, What's the question? <laughs> I'm talking about collaboration. So what did your grandmother Oh, yeah, collaboration. <laughs> All right. I'll, t I'll tell you one more thing about collaboration, which my grandmother told me around the same time. She was in the Second World War in the Blitz in London. And um, they used to go down into the subway stations in the underground when the bombs were dropping. And um, they were, you know, they grabbed whatever they could, bedding, you know, flasks of tea, da, da, whatever. And um, the adults could sleep, but the kids couldn't sleep. They were so, you know, because you could hear this kind of vibration. So what they did was they sang to the children now. Did they just get the singers to sing? No. Did they say, oh, I'll have to go to singing lessons for three months before I can sing in public? No, they just sang. And then anyone who was a singer would harmonize and the kids would sleep. So it became this sort of crash workshop in collaboration and vocal harmony. So I realized from that, and I realized from my own um time when my my mum died when i was 13 and the whole family split apart but um i realized you can either come together in a crisis or you can separate and hide basically till it's all over and so really i've spent my life saying look we are in a crisis i mean we are now we're in a climate crisis we're in an economic crisis we pretend we're not we go down to starbucks and say, uh, can I have an extra shot, please? Let me feel a bit better. But we, all of us, the whole world is in crisis. So that's why I'm trying to bring people together all the time to say, look, if we get through our inhibitions, if we say, I don't need three months to prepare, like those people singing in the underground, um, we've just got to do it now. The kids are scared. Um, then you know, it's fun. It's funny you chose Alice, seven-year-old Alice, um, because I can feel her as I, as I'm talking to you. I can feel her saying, "Yes, yes, come on, adults. You're you're meant to know everything." That's why Greta Thunberg was um, and is such an inspiration. But when you know, when she first appeared and was so young, and so, come on, <laughs> I mean, you could not say no to her, could you? 
No, and I think I think one of the things that um, if we go back to the way you answered the question around, you know, seven-year-old Alice is that the way that you answered it that I found was really profound was that we tend to discredit the wisdom of children because mm. when we can actually turn to children because they haven't yet been infected by the paradigm of, in, of society, hopefully. And so we get this really beautiful um pristine approach or perspective to the world and if we really tune in we can we can hear their wisdom in that and a lot of us laugh it off or we poke fingers at them or fun at them or whatever it might be but I think what you're saying there is we're neglecting this this part of humanity that carries wisdom until we take that wisdom away and yeah so, absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and it's not um it's not an airy fairy uh um notion of wisdom you know the inner child so innocent floating you know I, I was anxious all the time as a child because i could see this but um but i think you're right the, the, the word paradigm keeps coming up for me at the moment because of um covid you know it's really it's it, it's a paradigm shift across the world whether we recognize it or not um that they haven't said uh, I'm a seven-year-old in the consumer society. I must compete. You know, they'll compete with their siblings, maybe, but they're not thinking I've got to compete with everybody, even if class um, grades are based on it. You just think, oh, well, this is just the thing that happens at school. You don't think it's it's the world, you know, because mm. you experience playing in nature or playing with your pets or something that's... You know, you don't think oh, I'm competing with a tree, you know, it won't let me climb up it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And one of the beautiful things around the work you do and which I witnessed, uh, especially at the start of the pandemic back in early 2020, was mm. these beautiful live events where you you had people collaborating in a musical way and mm. um. Mm. It was such a beautiful thing to a be a part of because I was a part of a couple of groups that you um, that you hosted or you you were mm. a guest on, but also um, witnessing the aftermath of some of the videos that you created and just seeing the joy and the connection that was being created through this. You know, you were the you know the rock star activator, but you really were an amazing ringmaster, bringing mm. all these people together who were experiencing mm. a crisis. Mm. yeah yeah i mean i i i have to take responsibility for that it it is something i've learned to do from seeing others do and uh i'm actually uh, you know I, I was a very shy child I, i'm i'm a shy person you know i'm an introvert probably if you had to profile me you'd say yeah he's an introvert um however uh, you know introverts are some of the uh, keenest observers of the world because we're always going you know all right, i'll join in when i'm ready <laughs> you know let me suss it out first um so uh yeah doing those events is great it, it takes quite quite a lot out of me energetically i love doing it of course but the the great thing they say the best way for an introvert is to to relax if they've been out too far is to concentrate on one small thing for a long time. So to have that film, gather all the footage, all the, 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 bring all the energy of it and go, right, now I'm going to make a movie and I'll make this little movie and it's going to encapsulate. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect for me. I've designed myself the kind of perfect introvert life, you know, because it is, you know, I've taught myself to go out and have an impact, but then I've also taught myself to recover by doing something useful. So uh, I'd recommend it as a, as a model. I, I did think of writing a book once, How to Be Me, and write it as if I'd lost my memory. And I'd put all those things in it. Tom, you're, you're an introvert, right? But if you want to change the world, you've got to go out and connect people. But don't worry, because if you go too far, you can come back and make a movie about it. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> I, <laughs> I might write that book one day. beautiful, 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 beautiful um, advice. I also am an introvert, do a lot of um, speaking and in front of um, large audiences, and I'm wrecked at the end of the day. I'm spent. 
So yeah. what, you, what you're suggesting there is this beautiful active recovery. So you still get that, that time. So as introverts, we, we, um, we recover or we re-energize in our own little cocoon. Yeah. But you've got I love something it. I really, love it. Yeah. You've got something active to do in that cocoon. And um, depending on how much energy I've spent, sometimes the cocoon is just sitting on the couch, reading a book. Um, but yeah, I love like you after an event, grabbing the feedback, putting it together and creating a post and there's no one else around me. It's just me in my little office. No one else. Yeah. Yeah. And you can edit it. I've never heard those words active recovery before, but that is, yeah, that's what I do. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, just a little FYI, active recovery is part of the flow cycle. So, you know, when we experience flow, we have the struggle and then we drop into, um, or then we have to release and then we drop into flow. And then if we don't recover, so you're having these beautiful moments of flow when you're out there with everyone. And what you're doing is you're, all of these amazing neurochemicals are being released from the brain and mm. you're now drained from them. They're, they're drained from your body afterwards. Mm. So therefore mm. you're now re um re-energizing or refueling with something that you actually love to do and those chemicals are rebuilding while you're doing active recovery and then you're better then you're actually better off for the next round of flow wow so i'm doing, doing like it. as animals do when they when they've been chased by a lion and they get away they, yeah, they shake. stand and shake so yeah. that, that's what i'm doing yeah in making my movies i'm doing the equivalent yeah. you're just you're just letting well, thank you're just you very releasing much. a little bit of I'm cross so... cross education right now <laughs> so... yeah i'm so glad people don't think of me as a flow expert because i obviously know absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> and look i'm not a flow expert either let's just uh, hand that back to me hi chick sent me hi the father of flow and he can own that <laughs> what you may not be the expert in the science behind flow but you definitely are um, an amazing activator of flow. So let's go back to this rock star activator that you mentioned mm. earlier, because I didn't, mm. um, I had an old bio, however that mm. happened. So talk mm. us through a little bit of this rock star activation. What's that entail? Well, it entailed, I mean, can you imagine a, a, a shy person, 66 year old, uh, thinking how, how can I brand myself and actually picking up the word rock star. I mean, it, it shouldn't be allowed but i was at um a conference i was with a mate of mine jamil qureshi who's a, a big speaker on uh, high performing teams and he studied uh, sports people a lot and that's originally how he got into it because in sport you know we, we we've pushed ourselves to the limit physically so we can only extend our kind of excellence by working with our minds so um anyway he saw me come off stage and he said hey basically he said tom you're not the rhythmic ringmaster you're a rock star activator he said i've been watching the crowd they look like rock stars and i said that's weird because the only thing anyone ever wants to talk to me in the bar afterwards besides all my <laughs> serious teams Belbin, Myers-Briggs, the, all they want to say is, what was it like on tour? What was it like being a rock star in Scritti Politi? Uh, and of course, they're, uh, vicariously, they've had a much better time as a rock star in my life than I did, because a lot of it was waiting around, you know, lo losing equipment, <laughs> kind of losing hotel keys. <laughs> they just thought we were partying all the time when we weren't on stage. So, I'd, it, I, I had 20 years of that of, you know, from, you know, CEOs down saying, yeah, well, just tell us about the music business. And uh, that's where the value was often for them in those, in those bar conversations. Um, so I thought, well, okay, if that's what uh, Jamil sees and he's an expert, he gets paid a lot of money. I mean, he's one of the hardest working men on the, uh, on the conference speaking scene because he's so good. You know, he gets, I thought, well, if he's saying it, I'm just going to take it. I'm not even going to argue. I'm not going to say, let's tweak it. And you know, I just said, we'll do it. And I changed my website, I think the following day. And um, and then I'll put it on LinkedIn. I put it, And there's something about that word, rock star. There's, uh, 
you know, it appears all over the place. People say, oh, you're, you're a rock star cafe owner. You're a rock star theater designer. You know, it's, it's become this word for superlative. Um, I don't know. Well, it's just, and it's quite soft, actually. It's, you, you don't, uh, you know, it, it's weird because before I used it, I thought it was this hallowed thing. And then when I started using it, I thought, you know, it's just a word. It's just a word <laughs> you say, you're very good at this. That's yeah. basically what it says. You're very good at this. And yeah. actually, the I, I know the, um, sorry to be thinking out loud, but the, the trick of it is to actually say, yes, I'm good at it and I'm going to own it. Mm. That is the hard thing to call yourself a rock star of yeah. something, you know, because People, love, because so, some people, some people who judge you say, "Well, all right, let me check if you're a rock star. Are you in the Hall of Fame in Nashville? No. Are you? Were you on this TV program? No. Well, you're, well, you're not a rock star. And you go, well, am I? You know, aren't I? What is this criteria? <laughs> and it's interesting and, though because um, I love that what you said there. You know, we can anyone can be the rock star, rock star of whatever it is. But are you owning it? So I have a yeah. question for you. You may or may not be able to answer this. Do you believe from the work that you've done that everyone has a little bit of a rock star within them? I'm convinced of it because it's another word for chi or it's another word for energy. It's another word for, I mean, when I was growing up, when people were meditating, having taken all their drugs and trying to get there naturally, they'd call it human potential. We're part of the human potential movement. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what they call it now, but it's, uh, they'll probably call it come to my three-day workshop in Bali. You'll have an amazing life. I, I mean, it's all gone crazy, but um, <laughs> sorry if you do uh, things in Bali. Uh, I love Bali. I don't. <laughs> I love doing courses there. Um, but you know what I mean? It, uh, human potential was more like, ah, okay. So if I meditate for two years, I'll get to this level. Uh, uh, if I meditate for five years. I, so it's a more kind of measured thing rather than come to my shaman workshop. I'll give you a certificate on Sunday. I, I always say to people, when um, if, they, if they invite me to their shaman workshop, I say, well, how are you going to get us all buried up to our necks for seven days without any food and water in the desert? You know, because that's stage one. We go, oh, yeah. Well, I thought maybe we'd just sort of bang a drum a bit and say, you know. It's, anyway, sorry, what was the question? No, no, no. We were going down a rabbit hole and we were just there with you, so it's totally okay. Um, just something you said then, which I think is a really nice segue and invitation for us to go a little bit further, was around, you know, when people invite you to your weekend getaway and you get your, your certificate after two days, but you're going, well, hang on a minute. When are we going to bury them in the sand, in the dirt, up to their neck for, you know, that's only stage one. Do, mm. do you find that people um, are hoping that you're going to come along and be this magic fix for, you know, a two-hour talk or a conference or a, a workshop? Do, they, do you find that they think you're going to have the magic pill that's going to last forever? And do you have um, no. that magic pill? Well, I, I do, but only uh, because I know it's in them and all I have to do is activate it and mm -hmm. I can activate it in 10 minutes. You know, it, it's very, I've got one of the easiest jobs in the world. I activate something that they've been trying to activate with relationships, with food, with drink, with work, with promotion, with, well, basically with competition and uh, I just activate it with collaboration. You know, it's very easy. Yeah. And and it's a, the, the the thing is, it's in there. Um, it's dying to be activated. It's not even a. Uh, it's not even difficult. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm someone walking around the world with a with a magic wand. Everyone's going, oh, you're a magician. I go, no. Look in your back pocket. You got one as well. Everyone's got one. Oh, oh. It's just having the the cheek to use it, you know. Yeah. 
I love that you say the cheek because you you can be you can be really cheeky and humorous. <laughs> I know we met for the for our listeners. Uh, Tom and I met in just before just before the pandemic. Actually, we were in mm. Santa Cruz and uh, doing some work with the Flow Genome Project. And Jamie will, um, in this most beautiful way, called you the jester. And that was such a compliment because mm. the jester, if we think about it, is somebody who is, we go back to, in, back in the times, you know, the jester was the person that was highly intelligent, that was the only person in the village who could poke fun at the king <laughs> and still stay alive. And you have this a beautiful knack of bringing comedy and humour to mm. I'm going to say King being our own foibles, our own fears, and you can actually, mm. you can actually bring them out for us, which I think is a beautiful gift. Mm. So one of my, one of my questions and one of the things I'm curious about is how does, how did you move from uh, being in a, in a band to now doing the, the talking circuit and going into team collaboration? What was the juncture and how did that come about? All right. Well, I wasn't going to talk about this, but uh, of course oh, it's come up. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Um, there's an option in uh, always open to everybody in the music business, especially the more and more successful you get, is to have a nervous breakdown. And uh, I duly uh, looked at my calendar and thought, oh, yeah, it's time for me to have my breakdown. As the band sort of split up in its early incarnation, <clears throat> So out of that, and I'm saying this because of the jester uh, thing as well, speaking truth to power, that I dropped lower than I imagined I could go to the point where I couldn't listen to music, I couldn't talk about music, I, uh, I couldn't fit you know, anything to do with anything I'd done before had gone. I remember looking out my... I bought this little... Um, apartment in central london it was like living in a hotel it was like it was an apartment block and i remember looking out the window and seeing a guy load boxes into the back of a van in the hotel opposite and i thought that lucky guy what he does he gets up he goes to work and he takes boxes in and out of that van and then he goes home and maybe has a drink with his mates or something i thought i would give anything to live his life because it has some purpose i'd lost absolutely everything but the thing is when you fall you fall you fall you fall if you if you let yourself hit rock bottom and like alice falling down that rabbit hole eventually she lands on some leaves and branches and stuff and she's not hurt i did land i wasn't hurt and there was one word which was harmony. Sorry, I can hardly speak talking about this. There was one word echoing around that kind of, it was like a dark cavern, harmony. And I thought, oh, there is something here. And, um, and I started to go to, when I could get myself out the flat, I started to go to vocal harmony workshops. For why, I don't know. I was attracted to African vocal harmony. And then after a few weeks, they said, oh, are you a drummer? Could you bring a drum? And then I took a drum and they said, wow, everything's just kind of, uh, they actually used the word activated. It was so much more activated. Man, it's all starting to come together. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> she said, oh, you like singing? Someone I met there, she said, I'm going to take you to this festival. You'll love this teacher. And she took me to this big marquee. It's full of people all waiting. With, and it was, it was circular. And there was a space in the middle. And we're waiting for this teacher. And she said, come, come to the front. And um, so we're looking. Where's the teacher? Where's the teacher? And she just pushed me into the center of the circle. She said, hey, everybody. Um, this is the teacher I've been telling you about. Uh, can we have a big hand for Tom Morley? And they all applauded. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> and I thought... What do I do? You know, she knew I could run it. I didn't know I could run it. Um, and I thought back, I'm sure John Sebastian Kane helped me right then because I just sang a couple of things that I sang and they weren't bang on tune, but I said to them, look, in that way of the jester, I said, look, 
you can hear, I can't sing it, but when you sing it, it's going to sound great. And of course, they could hit all the notes that I couldn't hit. And someone said that was afterwards. I mean, we sang for an hour. They kept, they wanted, they kept singing over to lunch, to the lunch tent. They would, didn't want to stop. And, um, and they said it was a really good trick, that pretending not to be able to get it right, because that empowered us to help you. And I, I just thought, bloody hell, this is so easy. You know, all I've got to do is be authentic. And, um, and what is easier than being authentic if you live with a mindset of collaboration rather than competition? Mm. If, if you live with a mindset of competition, it's difficult to be authentic. But if you just think, all right, I'll sing you what the song should sound like. You sing it back to me, all 200, 300 of you. And it sounded amazing. So I was, I, but the great thing was that and another experience with a drum it taught me that you need very, very little of the trappings of the music business to be a musician. You don't need anything, actually. There was, the, uh, you just need a field and some people. Yeah, you know. and I think that's become evident too in the online work you've been doing because, you know, you have us there with, like, I was shaking um, my vitamins in a, in, a, <clears> in, a, in a container and I had yeah. a wooden spoon and I was banging that. So, you know, we didn't need a lot of money to participate and I think there was around about you know, 70, 50 to 70 people on the call that we were on and yeah. we were all, we all had our different instruments and we were all, you know, thought we were in sync. You had us muted. Um, but it, it was, we were participating and it was beautiful. But thank you. Thank you for sharing that, um, that, that story of how you transitioned into doing what you're doing now. And a lot of the experiences that I've had with you, I'm are starting to come, come, it's making sense now. Now I know why you're so good with the African music. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I can see that the transition was embedded there as well. So, so thank yeah. you. You're welcome. There's it's good it's good to actually put it together like this because these are all bits of a jigsaw that I put together in different ways uh depending on who I'm talking to but it's uh, we're making a good picture here. I I think it's great that you started with Alice because that that's a really clever thing to do get into kind of visual imagination straight away it mm -hmm. makes the rest of the time together easy well you've you've brought the the music and the 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 story to to the episode here with with your own experience and your own wisdom and that's a real blessing for everyone because you know I think I don't think I know that you have this tremendous gift that is missing in uh, in the world and it comes down to I'm not going to say collaboration I'm going to say harmony because you use that word harmony it's when we're all we're all in this together and, and getting along mm -hmm. together. And that's such a beautiful gift that you have to be able to activate that rock star in, in within us that gives us that ability to, you know, join together in rhythm and harmony. And it's, it's such a beautiful gift that we need right now because we see when we look out into the world's landscape, we see so much polarization, so much competition and so many people you know, going, going against each other. It's happening, you know, in all so many different countries. <clears throat> yeah. And you have a beautiful gift to, to bring us all together. So, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, as I'm, I'm going to start winding up now, I know that there's so many other things that I wanted to talk to you about because we had this amazing conversation when we were in Santa Cruz around some of the beautiful charity work that you and your wife do and some of the fun things that you do, um, mm. Actually, I want to I want to talk about one thing that you spoke about, which I think is just hilarious and amazing thing to do. Um, can you just share with us what you do with your friends when you go out and pretend you've just gotten up after a big night? I can't. I'm not uh, going to say too much. You do this right. amazing thing um, that I think is um, so much fun, and I'd love for you to share this because I think it's it it could take over the world. Yeah. It uh, well, this came from. Uh, trying to get it's 2011 um, I was trying to get everybody together for a birthday party and of course all my mates whether they were busy or not I'm not sure but I couldn't do it in the evening oh no I'm, I've got a gig I've got a you know I've got this I've got that oh, no, I'm playing at a wedding so I, eventually I said look I can't get you all together on in an evening uh, how about Sunday morning at eight o'clock are you booked <laughs> so they said they pretty much all said no 
no, I think I'm free. Um, so I said, all right, we're going to meet on Waterloo Bridge and uh, we're going to pretend we've been up all night. We're going to dress up in black tie, ball gowns. Women, please smudge your mascara, carry your shoes. Men, ties undone, top hats kind of uh, asunder, you know, scarves waving. And we're going to pretend we've been up all night and we're going to recite poetry. We're going to sing. We're going to dance in fountains. And um, and they said, but won't we get arrested? I said, no, it, it, the world will give us permission because they'll buy into the story that we've been up all night. And we call it black tie, white lie. It was only meant to be one party, but we've been doing it ever since uh, in the summers in uh, in the UK, in London. Uh, we've changed the meeting time to 10 o'clock now. It still works. But it's, it's quite amazing. And uh, uh, someone mentioned this in an article in The Guardian, and uh, someone picked it up in New York. So now we do... Um, do this kind of mid cross Atlantic events. They not at the same time, but we re, we start in London and then we send us send them films of us in London. Then they dance to us dancing on the bridge in Waterloo. They dance in Times Square or something. So I would like it to go global because <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, it's a way of giving not just us permission and and the thing is the I, I made this very clear from the start if you're going to come this is not a spectator sport you come you fully commit and we we don't drink we we have champagne bottles but we have apple juice or something in them some people will bring a real bottle of champagne but mainly it's sober but and then we go we all go and have breakfast at some outdoor cafe on the south bank in in london uh, but we pretend of course we're still drunk. We have this thing. <laughs> it's there's various protocols to it. As we approach any cafe or any um, uh, place where there's people, you know, like a gallery or something, I say, right, I'm going to do the countdown, and I uh, I count down four, three, two, one, bang, and then we all burst into laughter as if we've heard the funniest joke. Someone's assigned to fall over. They're laughing so much. Someone else is assigned to pick them up. It's all theatre, theatre, theatre. But the amazing thing is, and again, Alice comes in here. All the kids want to come and surround us and see what's going on. Mm. Other people assume, you know, uh, uh, they've given um, my wife uh, roses. You know, they have a bunch of flowers. Oh, have these for your... They just make their own story up. Have these for your wedding day. It looks like you've had an amazing time because they assume we've been up all night. So, or or we're a theatre group. What show is it? What show have you just done? So, we let them make up the story. But I think that's beautiful, especially um, the way that you've just encapsulated the, the curiosity and fascination of a child, but then the adult who creates these assumptions. Uh, creates yeah. these narratives and stories without actually asking or finding out what's happened. They just yeah. assume, like, and we do that. We we assume so much and we get so much wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a really great yeah. and, and the And the kids just go, oh, it's adults, you know, letting their hair down. Great. You know, I, does that mean I can join in? They don't, yeah. they don't need to hold us to need to hold. They don't need to hear the whole story. To them, it's like, oh, you've come to join our world. Great. You know, good. Let's play. And they love the fact that you can dance in fountains in your Sunday clothes. You know, it's, I mean, we've we've caused all sorts of mayhem. That's beautiful. You're, you're <laughs> leading um, a really great example for the for our future to let them know that it's okay to let your hair down and, you know, have yeah. some fun and play because we sort of, um, we deactivate that part of us and you're activating did, not only yeah. the rock star but the, play, the playful child within. That's exactly. I mean, you said that right at the beginning. You know, we, we are this. Uh, it's. I mean, we were saying it's not just innocent, airy fairy. Oh, I'm a child. I have no concerns. All I have to do is play. That isn't the state, but it is a curious state. Um, why is that so wrong? Why is that so right? Oh, I feel so great. I feel so angry. I, you know, so it's all going on. But we we provide this place. Yeah, come on in, come on in, come on in. We're just going to be in your world and just be curious and not worry what anyone is thinking of us because mm -hmm. that's, you know, 
curiouser and curiouser. So mm. on, on that note, if people have, um, if you've piqued their interest and they're curious to uh, work with you, find out more, follow you, uh, how's, how can they, how can they track you down? Well, if this is uh, a movie, let's put a slide up with all my Instagram, Facebook, da, da, da. but the, the other way, if, if you're just listening, and you can remember my name, it's tommorley.com. I had a uh, friend suggest get everything in one place, you know, so if you go to my website, tommorley, M-O-R-L-E-Y.com, then everything's there. Or you can email me from there and say, what was that black tie, white lie thing again? Can you tell me about that? I'm I'm very happy. I'm 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 not an insomniac, but I do reply to <laughs> everything that people ask me about. When <laughs> when I die, there'll be people at my funeral saying, "Yeah, Tom Morley, he was my best friend. He he, he did everything. He did." He, and they'll go, "No, he was my best friend." Just, no, he's mine. It's not. There'll be, probably be a punch up, who because if if I get run over by a bus, you know, and they look at my laptop, they go, "He's obviously a filmmaker." No, he isn't. He's a writer. No, he isn't. He runs team building. He's always on the road. <laughs> you mentioned being a polymath. It's a, I live a polymath life. So, but that's why come to tommorley.com and cage the polymath. And uh, I can tell you everything from there. Excellent. And I'd also like to invite anyone, because I know Tommy's based in the UK, but if you're based anywhere around the globe and you're looking for something unique that is going to unite your team and activate the rock star within them, and if they've been working from home for quite a period of time and you want to bring them together in a magical and fun way, um, you know, online, Tom can be in your office, your virtual office from anywhere in the world. So definitely jump on board. I have participated. It's amazing. And you will not be disappointed. So yeah, for all of our corporate listeners, and I know there's quite a number of you, um, pop this in your in your um, memory bank for the next team building or even something just to welcome in the new year as well. So Tom, as we sort of round out, is mm. there anything that you have feel is, you know, moving through you any sort of words of final words or any sort of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with to whether it be to help them activate the rock star within or whether it be to help them collaborate or anything that we haven't spoken about that you've got a burning desire to share are there any final words for our listeners well the words that come are paradigm shift because i had to walk my own talk to do what you have suggested and if anybody is thinking of doing this as team building uh, they might be thinking ah oh, but there's a latency issue we can't play in time uh, we can't sing in time so my usps were rhythm getting everybody in time i cannot do that online we're all out of sync uh, another usp like vocal harmony we're all on mute <laughs> um, you know another usp was going to a far away venue and saying, let's all get out of our comfort zones in private with the doors closed and the shutters down. Um, now they're doing it at home with their kids watching. So everything that I had in my kind of tool belt was taken from me. But I looked for the outcomes. I thought, what do they want? They want bonding. They want risk-taking, leading to more confidence as a team. They want connection. So I found a way to provide that, but I had to give up everything again. It was like having another breakdown. I didn't need to have the breakdown this time. I just needed to accept everything that was dear to me and was my were my tools were stripped away. But go for the outcome. Those are my final words, really. If you've lost your job, the, the, these stupid government things in the UK say so if you're in... If you're a ballet dancer, you can retrain in cyber. That's not the same outcome. As a ballet dancer, you want to kind of energize people and inspire them with, you know, grace and movement and fantasy in a way. So go for that outcome and find a way of delivering it online. Either the way I found was playing um, good music to people in their own home. So they're dancing with me 
only hearing that music in their home, but looking at a screen of 30, 60 people <coughs> who are all hearing the music in a different time in their home, but all dancing. Um, so, but we're all dancing out of time at the same beats per minute. So if I play you a song at 130 beats per minute, you can be in Australia, you can be in America, you can be in Indonesia. We're all dancing at 130 beats per minute, out of time, but looking like a pop video. It's quite amazing. So that's how I did it. But I had to, um, like I say, just focus on the outcomes, think of another way to get there. Yeah, really wise words, and especially with what we've just experienced. And um, I know that's something that's that, that helped me, and thank you for the, the reminder to keep focusing on those outcomes because when we do, the, the answer sort of, shows up doesn't it and take those risks and just want to mention to everyone that even though we might be dancing out of time we're actually in sync it's amazing thing to watch because you know I was part of an online group with that Tom was leading and we had Canada Austria France UK Australia New Zealand um, all the states of America we had Brazil um, the Dominion Republic uh, I think that was oh, South Africa as well. So we had all, we had a global audience and from a participant's point of view, it, we were, we were in sync hundred percent, hundred percent. So absolutely, you know, as you say, this paradigm has to shift that we, we can't connect and, and can't create this union online. It's absolutely BS. You yeah. Can. And it, it's delivered us that it's it, it's a <clears throat> the idea that we'll go back to something. It, we would only go back to something smaller because we've been delivered something bigger, you know, much bigger and much more carbon neutral. And actually, it's a lot simpler to connect online. Mm. I, I know, I, I know, business people who used to fly to New York for a meeting because they'd be scared about making a mistake on Zoom and looking stupid. <clears throat> imagine what that took in in terms of energy but so the pandemic has come not primarily to educate us in connecting in these much easier ways and bigger ways as you've just described global um but we we should have done that work 10 years ago now we've all had to do it so the yeah. crisis has delivered us something amazing yeah absolutely Thank you so much, Tom. I've loved sharing space with you and jamming with you. And um, we didn't get to hear any tunes or any beats, but that's okay. I just want people to jump on, jump on board um, to your social media and just see see what you get up to because it is yeah. freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we could. Yeah, I mean, you can always mix something in that I can send you the videos if you want to end with a, a blast. Why so, not? Let's do yeah. that. Thank yeah. you so much, okay. Tom. All right. Whatever happened to the art of Whatever happened to the art of Whatever happened to the art of conversation? It's on the tip It's on the tip It's on the tip of my tongue. There is a word for it. I'm asking everybody in power because I think we could learn from it. It describes a commitment to a cause. You're a star, but without the applause. How come they've never heard of it? Whatever happened to... Dedication. Whatever happened to... Transformation. Whatever happened to... The heart of the nation. Whatever happened to the art of... Whatever happened to the art of... Whatever happened to the art of conversation? Speak to me of
more inverted commas, less parentheses. Fewer! The thesaurus arrives, but we say, we never sent for this. It's somehow wrong now to be clever. Curiosity's meant whatever. Come on, people weren't meant for this. Whatever happened to... Inspiration. Whatever happened to... Liberation. Whatever happened to... The heart of the nation. Whatever happened to the art of... Whatever happened to the art of... Whatever happened to the art of conversation. Today is turning into the most curious adventure I have ever had. <laughs>